the Driven Women's Guide to Love, Life, and Business. Hosted by the boss ladies Alex and Gabby. Combined, their network gathers an array of women from various industries who exemplify strength and tenacity. Their fun and positive approach to life will awaken the boss in you. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Joy Altamar is the Chief Engagement and Brand Officer at the Industry Leader in Health and Wellness for over 100 years, EHE. With over 16 years of experience in the marketing field, she has become an expert advisor to organizations looking to tackle growth, innovation, and technology challenges. Prior to joining the healthcare world, Joy worked on such brands as L'Oreal, Verizon, and Colgate-Palmolive at agencies like Oglevy and Mather, Gray, and Publicis. Thank you so much for agreeing to come and bring your expertise to us. We're super honored to have you. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? How's quarantine? I mean, you have such an amazing view. You were just telling us about <laughs> yoga in the kitchen. Tell us yeah. a bit about what's going on now. Yeah. Quarantine, I mean, thank goodness, I think we're nearing the end of quarantine for most Americans. But, you know, for me, I was actually just talking about this the other day with my girlfriends who are moms. All the moms have kind of united during this time. And quarantine for us, I think the first, it was in stages. The first four weeks, we were kind of in disbelief and we were adjusting, right? My daughter's five in kindergarten. So we were trying to figure out what to do as it relates to homeschooling. The school that she goes to, thank goodness, was on it from the beginning. They're like, this is how we're doing distant learning. But again, she's still five. So getting her comfortable with being not around her peers was interesting. And then I work in healthcare. So healthcare has not slowed down one bit. Even though we work in preventive, we have been, I've been super busy. Um, I'm basically the CMO of a health company called EHE Health. And we have just been inundated with ways in which we're trying to help people stay healthy. And of course, um, COVID has introduced the fact that it's even more important to know about your your status, to know if you have type 1 or type 2 diabetes, to understand if you have cardiovascular risk. So our business has become even more important to our customers. So I was basically, you know, all my friends at the beginning were talking about how they have so much time on Netflix, and I did not experience that. We were homeschooling. We were working. Um, 10 to 12 hours a day, and then cooking every meal. I think toward the end of this quarantine, what we realized is this is precious time. Like I have never had all day with my daughter, with my family, and I've just seen her blossom. I think she probably was always this person, but typically you spend two hours in the morning and two hours at night with them. And these little beings, they teach you to appreciate life. Like she has not become depressed or has anxiety around what's going on. Um, so I would say for us, quarantine has been full circle of this gratitude and thankfulness around having moments where you can actually be present and realizing that, yes, you're busy and you're working, but this is just the season that you're in. And you want to get when we get to the other side of this pandemic, hopefully we know a little bit more about each other and ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I think that's so true. Alex and I have been kind of working from home and transitioning into doing that. And it's been for me two months and I feel that I've gotten the hang of it. At first it was a little bit overwhelming because yeah. I felt like I had to overdo it and I would yeah. overwork myself 24 hours a day. I was yeah. working 
And then I realized, no, I have to set boundaries. Yes. And finally I found my mojo and I kind of have a routine and, and it's worked really well. I feel like I'm saving a lot of money, obviously. So much money. Like I looked at my bank account the other day and I was like, never will I ever buy lunch in New York <laughs> City again. Like apparently that was where all my money was going. Every week, apparently I had no self-control and I was, I was eating like for a football team and I was always hungry. That's the crazy thing. I still would be hungry. So never will I ever spend money on food in Manhattan for lunch. I will either pack my lunch or go hungry because like you said, all the, I could go on a really nice vacation based off of the last two months of savings. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in Manhattan, we could easily yeah. spend $20 a day. Just $23 sometimes. And you don't even yeah. think about it because it's so normal. And you're, But that's ridiculous. That's what some people in parts of the country spend on a meal for four people. Exactly. So, I mean, we've just been trying to um, figure out what we're doing at home. But I feel like I've gotten the hang of it. And yeah. now they've told us that we're going back until September. Wow. So, wow. So that's I'm and guys, I'm staying in. <laughs> yes, I think like, you know, Twitter announced they're not going back to 20 ever. Some companies are already saying that they don't have to go back to 2021. I think you're right. We're getting the hang of this working from home business, this tele, this telecommuting type of, or not telecommuting, this working at home and doing like tele, um, Zoom calls to handle our business. I think you're right, especially the beginning. So I have a team of about 40, 45 people. In the beginning, I think people, because we were so used to going into the office and having drive-by meetings, you don't you don't have that luxury anymore. People were working like 12 hours a day. And I had to like, I basically remember saying the third weekend, I want everyone to take time for lunch, take an hour whenever you want, book it in your calendar. Do not like sacrifice that hour. Try to take calls since you are mostly on calls as you walk, if you can, in a safe place around your neighborhood, like get outside. And I was telling people, you know, no calls after six o'clock. Like do not work until, because people were working until like eight and nine o'clock because they just felt like, I mean, psychologically we know that was keeping them some sort of focus on something they could control during this time when you couldn't control anything. But it's also the fatigue was gonna set in and they were gonna start to burn out. And I didn't want them to do that. I was starting to feel it too, like people, the luxury that you have when you work in the office is that sometimes you can, you know, for the most part, leave your work in the office. You may come home and answer a couple emails or do something, a presentation. But I started to see people book calls for 7.30, like to start a call at 7.30 p.m. on a Tuesday. I was no. like, no, we're not, we're not getting in that habit. We're not, we're working from home. We're not working 24 hours a day. And I think that is the most important thing for people to remember this balance that's required. Yeah, I honestly think Obviously, the pandemic came and kind of sideswiped all of us. I don't think companies were prepared. I don't think nope. everybody, employees, consumers, nobody was prepared. Um, how have you been dealing with it with your own company? How has the company been affected? And um, yeah. what were some of the strategies or the shifts that you had to make in order to just kind of live the new normal that we have now? Yeah, for sure. So as I said, I work for EHG Health, which is a preventive health company. We've been around for over 100 years. So like, definitely, I thank goodness that about 18 months ago, we were we decided we were going to do this digital transformation. As a health company in healthcare, most companies are still very paper focused, still very, they write everything down. 
and they very regularly, uh, they very rarely digitize it. Um, so thank goodness, 18 months ago, as a company, we decided we were going to go paperless and we were going to digitize everything. And that, I think, really set us up for being able to work from home. Otherwise, we would have been paralyzed. We would not have been able to work. You know, we would, I mean, from accounting to even marketing, we would not have been able to keep going. And it would have been a shame because in this moment in time, during the pandemic, we stood up a product that's called Safe at Work, which really has aided a lot of companies because as you can imagine, without having real full gover federal government leadership as it relates to what to do, companies like ours help other employers to figure out, should your employees come back to work? If they do, how should they do that? And that's essentially what we did. Um, but for our own company, we unfortunately have um, had to furlough some of our physicians and, and our nurses because we simply weren't open. We followed the local mandate across all of our clinics. We have seven owned clinics. Um, and, you know, as the, as the, as a, the stay in place or shelter in place um, mandate went across the country, we had to close our clinics. Um, we just reopened one of them um, in New Jersey. And then next week we'll open the other six. So we are very blessed in that way that we can now unfurlough all of those physicians and we're pretty close to that. Um, but for our business, we really needed to help people understand what this meant for, for the company and then what it meant for them. We had weekly town hall calls that our CEO led. I think that was critical. Um, one of our uh, values as a company is transparency. And so we really held to that and said, the good, the bad, the ugly, we're going to be super transparent with our employees. We're gonna let them know what's going on. Um, and so we would break this down into what's happening in the company, but because our CEO is also an epidemiologist, he actually led the pandemic response for California at Jordan Schwarzenegger's um, um, term. He could also tell us like what was going on really with that pandemic. And I feel like that reduced anxiety for a lot of our employees. We helped them understand what was, we gave them facts and those facts actually helped them make decisions for their families. Um, and I think they also then trusted when we were making when we would move right or left, even if the local news was saying they were going opposite of our recommendation, they really trusted us. Um, and then eventually we we started to find we were two weeks ahead of what the government was saying, both locally and federally. So we really wanted to instill confidence in our in employees to make to make sure that they understood that we were putting them first, we were putting their safety first. I think around mid-February, we started taking everyone's temperature. So before it hit the peak in March, when people came into our offices or our clinics, we took their temperatures. Um, we, oh, wow. We're ahead of the game. Yeah. Our, our CEO, again, is an epidemiologist. He was following it since October of last year, of 2019. So uh, we had our business continuity plan already completed. We knew coming into 2021 that this could happen. Um, we prepped our, our clinical staff, especially the leaders there. Um, we talked to our executive team about this starting in February. Um, and we just made sure that everyone had all the information. So I would say the biggest things we did was we had a digital platform and a, and a foundation for our company to keep running. We continue to tell people the truth and the facts around the science and the data of what was happening. And then we had this continual, continuous loop of, of um, providing opportunities, not only for us to speak to them or at them, but this feedback loop. So they could always ask questions. Um, they could always email the CEO directly. Just that access was really, 
I think, fundamental for our company to, to continue to survive. And then now we're opening up our clinics and in a couple of weeks, hopefully our headquarters, not 100%. We're going to follow like a staggered approach. But when everyone is back, I think they'll feel more comfortable working in our environment because they'll trust that we did everything. Are you making safe. changes within the organization when you do open back up, like sitting six feet apart, like less only um, yeah. essential employees going in rather than the whole entire office? Are you guys thinking of those strategies now? A hundred percent, Alex. A hundred percent. We have to, right? We have to walk the walk that we're that we're talking, right? We have to tell everyone. We've been. We basically have an entire blue book or toolkit for employers, and we have to do the same thing. So essentially, in our clinics, which are open, like I said, um, and all of the rest of this week, uh, the rest of them will open next week. We um, are. Can when you walk in, every person who comes to our clinic will get a COVID test. We truly believe in testing and tracing is the solution without, we don't have a public health um, organization within the company, within the country. We're not Beijing, we're not Singapore. Those countries, people always ask, well, why is it different? Those countries have a public health entity that's in the infrastructure of their government. As a country, we don't have that. We have different private enterprise entities that can do it. We don't have a public federally funded entity. And so that makes a huge difference. So one of the things that uh, we believe in is that it's possible to be have 50 states and 50 different plans to conquer this. For us, we stand behind testing and tracing. So every person who comes into our clinic will get a test, a COVID rapid test. I just got one last Thursday. I came out negative. And so we'll do that. And we don't believe in testing, 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 testing everyone. We believe t all the time, we believe testing and then if there's an outbreak, tracing the contact of those people and if necessary, testing again. So in our clinics, a person will walk in, they'll get their temperature checked, they'll ask, we'll ask them a quick questionnaire about exposure and risk, they'll get tested. Once they get their status, if they need to be quarantined, we'll help them, we'll coordinate that for them or help them understand how to do that. If they're clear, they'll go and have their exam. For our headquarters, we are going, we're doing a staggered approach. So. None of the headquarters people are essentialists. You know, we realize that they can actually all work from home, but there are some departments that work better when they're in community, like technology. Engineers just simply work better when they are together. Um, our call center simply works better when it's together. Even creative ideation sometimes is stronger if people are together. So we're going to do an A-B approach. We're going to have A a team of A employees and a team of B employees. I think we're going to do one week each and we're going to allow people to come back. Um, the A group will come back across the company. A B group will come back the following week. But we're not going to mandate it. There are a lot of people who are totally confident that our space is safe. Um, and, the, and to answer your questions about six feet apart, the way that A and B groups are working, they're automatically six feet apart. We're not going to change our office format or our floor plan. That's just very expensive investment. We're not going to do that. But we are going to make sure our we already have an open space. So we're going to make sure people are automatically sitting six to 10 feet apart, just, the, just where their desks are located. And we're not going to have um, conference room meetings. That's just you can't have all those people in a room, even if they all are, even if everyone is negative or have the antibodies. Um, so we're going to do that as relates to AB. We are doing an employee survey and we're going to allow people to opt out of coming into the office because like I said, even though they have confidence that our space is safe, 
a lot of them take public transportation and that's really a traumatizing experience for them right now. We're not gonna force that. Um, they also, while they may not have compromising immune systems, they may live with people who have them. And so we're concerned about making sure their families are safe. So they can opt out of coming into the office. And from that list, we'll create the AB list. What can we do as employees or just as people to make the companies aware of the changes that they need to make for our own safety? Yeah. The first thing I would do is tell them to go to our COVID COVID website. Um, It's called COVID19 at ehe.health. Um, the reason why I think it's important, I'm sorry, it's COVID19.ehe.health. I will have to email it to you guys. I forget it. But it's if you Google EG Health, you'll get to our COVID-19 um, microsite. Um, and the reason why you should go there is we held a series of public webinars around how employers should support their employees as they go to work. And we didn't just speak about it. We had guests who are experts. So we had a woman, Delphine O'Rourke, who works for Duane Morris Law Firm. It's a healthcare employee and healthcare legal um, law firm. It's it's really talking about the rights employees have, healthcare rights as it relates to this pandemic. That's her expertise. She was talking to companies about this a year ago. Um, if you find yourself as an employee and you're not confident in what your employer is doing, you have legal rights. You really do because you you have a right to keep yourself and your family safe while also keeping your jobs. Even though most states are at will employer situ- employment situations, this is that there's not finite rules, but there's lots of guidance around how employees are protected. Their jobs are protected during this time. We're dealing with people who have high anxiety for and they haven't shared that information with their employer. We're dealing with people who may be pregnant. We're dealing with people who have all types of reasons why they don't want to go to a, a place that hasn't been quote unquote safe, meaning there's no testing protocol in place. They're still sitting next to each other and everyone has to come back. And it's non-essential, right? It's a non-essential situation. Um, if I were an employee and find myself in that situation, I'd make sure I knew my rights and I'd reach out um, to my employer and ask them for their business continuity and safe environment plan. Those are really important things that you want to get your hands on. They should make them public. Ours is on our website for everyone to see, not only our employees. And that's important because it tells you what the, where the company is going. And if you don't feel comfortable with it, reach out to your human resource contact, your people officer contact. Um, they are the people that can help you understand what the company is thinking about and what they perceive as your responsibility. Um, I can't really give one-to-one guidance because every situation is different, but my perspective is you should know your rights. This is a very unprecedented moment in time. There are companies, um, you know, some people were saying, I'm going to force them to take a test. You can't force a person to take a test. Um, you can't make their employment required um, on that test unless it's something beforehand, like a lot of you know, CDL licensees have to take certain medical tests to make sure they're still compliant. But this is, you can't force people to tell, as an employer, I can't force you to tell me there's, you have a pre-existing condition or I can't force you to do those things. That is against HIPAA. Um, HIPAA protects all employees and their rights to keep their medical information private. Um, And if there's a reason why you don't want to go to work, i.e. they're not testing, you don't feel like it's safe, that's still kind of under medical information. 
Um, I also wanted to give the perspective of a lot of the listeners that we have, which are also business owners, small business yes. owners, entrepreneurs, <laughs> a small team of support, and they have to welcome employees back. So is there a, a guideline to what they should be doing to protect employees as well, like vice versa of what we we're just talking yeah. about? Yeah, so at the same place, we have a place for employers and employees. And so if you look as an employer, one of the things you want to do and remember is you want to be human in this moment. First, take a step back and be human and ask yourself, what would you want if it was your spouse or child going into your environment or having to work for you? What would you want for them? Usually, I know it sounds simple, but if you think it, if you look, if you just make decisions through that lens, typically you're going to make the right decisions. If you're a small company, 20 people, 50 people, ask yourself what's essential to work in the office and what's not essential. If anything we've learned during this pandemic is most things can be, most people can work from home. Um, and so if you can, if you can separate essential from non-essential, that's important and focus on the essential workers, making sure they feel safe and confident. If that means one of the things we did is we do know some people want to drive in we decided that we'd work with our local garages to give them a discount. Like, how do you do, how do you help them get back to the to the office by being a human person? Um, most people who live in the city or in the boroughs, they take this public transportation. So we're working with Uber to get a code for thirty days. Do they get ten dollars off their ride? There's certain things you can do to help people feel more comfortable. The second I would I would say is you have to test. Do not be one of those employers who thinks. I'm not going to test. Um, and if, right now, there's so many different free opportunities for employers to be employees to be tested or people to be tested. I heard yesterday there were two locations in Brooklyn that popped up in Dumbo. Like there's so many different ways people can get tested. Um, you want an antibody IgG IgB test for your employees. Um, you can work with LabCorp. You can work with so many different entities that are standing up when you know. We do it only through employ. We work only with employers to get their employees tested. But there's so many ways in which you can get your employees tested. I would encourage you as an employer to encourage them to do it or provide provide testing for them. Um, and then I think have a staggered build. Twenty five percent is a twenty five percent of people in the office is the best place to start. And then as people feel more comfortable, gradually stepping up to 30, 40, 50. But I don't think going over 50 is necessary for any company right now. You mentioned um, that most companies kind of had to adjust to a work from home environment, which out of necessity, not really because, I mean, let's be honest, it wasn't something maybe embraced. Yeah. Um, how can the leadership and the work culture, you know, help this new virtual team, you know, how can they empower them? How can they, the executives at, you know, at the top be better leaders now that they have to virtually lead teams, yeah. you know, yeah. it's a totally different ball game, you know? Right. For yeah. Joy, my example is that I lead a team of 11 people. How can I be a better manager from home? Well, I will. I can only tell you what I've been doing, and I will say that, you know, as a manager, you're always thinking about productivity, right? You're thinking, you're trying to balance your employees' happiness with increasing or maintaining productivity. And then this time, I think one of the a couple of things that worked for me were one, 
I had a daily standup with my direct reports. I think that you want to make sure in this time, where, in this moment in time where we can't just walk by someone's desk and ask them how they're doing, um, you need to have a moment where you all come together. Um, I was doing it in the office every Monday. I changed that to, we use a very agile, like if you're familiar with um, product development or digital product development, we mimic that agile environment now off as we work from home. So every day I have a 15 minute um, stand up with my direct report. It's 15 minutes. It's a great way to check in with them to make sure that they were closing the loop on anything the day before. What you want to do is try to help the, help them understand how they also should be managing their teams, right? So if you have a team of 11, Alex, I would have a daily stand-up, 8.30 or 9 o'clock as they start their day. Sometimes it's only five minutes because there's nothing to talk about. But most of the time, we do that 15 minutes, and it's just going around the group, what's hot, what can I help you with, really making sure that they understand that I'm accessible to them. And I think even if you're a baby boomer, or you're a millennial, you can appreciate that moment. You can do 15 minutes every day on a Zoom call that's standing. So that's number one. Number two, I canceled all my 101s. I was having mini 101s and these unnecessary, these, these, they're not unnecessary, but having like 30 minutes sporadically throughout the week was just very draining. It also, you know, the only way people can meet now is in this virtual space. So having 30 minutes even on my team's calendar was also making people not have enough free time to have 60 minute meetings cross-functionally when they needed to. So I removed all of the one-on-ones and I encouraged them to do that as well, but I converted it into an hourly office hour. So every day I have an office hour where I open up my Zoom, my Zoom, um, my Zoom off, my Zoom hour, and anyone can come into that hour. You don't have to pre-book it. You don't have to schedule it. You can just come in and we can talk about whatever's going on, or you can present something to me, et cetera, et cetera. And I found that that was so much more welcomed because they people could count on it. They would actually sometimes ping me and say, can I have the first 30 minutes? Like it helped people know that at least once in the day, there was an extended period of time that if we needed to work through a project, we could do that. Um, I think the other thing you wanna do as a manager is that you wanna make sure that you are encouraging communication and accountability. So in this time where we're not able to pick up on body language, we're not even on the Zoom call, sometimes you can't pick up on what someone's feeling because you're not in the room. When we leave a meeting or conversation, we go and say, okay, who's accountable for this? Who's accountable for this? Who's accountable for this? So there's really no ambiguity around what should be happening next. And then I would say, finally, have fun, like create moments of laughter and fun with your team. Um, we have had, um, we had a single day Mayo party where I sent through, thank God for Drizzly. I sent everyone some drinks through Drizzly, you know, for them to have a cocktail. We all had cocktails together. Um, I encouraged my team leads to also have it with their smaller teams. Like we've had a Zoom call with 40 people and we've had a Zoom call with like eight people, all cocktail hours. Um, we used to do this thing called Libation Fridays. We still have that. Um, it's okay. Sorry, my daughter is about to get on the Zoom call with her friends. <laughs> um, so, you know, we just really, I think it's important to try to um, keep it engaging, do the things that you did when you were in the office, but now it's just online. Um, and so we continue to have those moments. I gave everyone, you know, we're Memorial Day weekend, we're talking. I gave everyone Friday off. I was like, do not pick up the phone. 
even if I call, like I will figure it out. I wanted them to really take a moment in time to regroup with their friends and their families and just take, you know, relax. Um, I think that's important to, you know, have to be organized, but also give them moments of levity because everyone is super stressed and they're dealing, especially if they're moms or I shouldn't just say moms, but if they're working from home, they're probably cooking every meal. They're, everything has changed. And so the stressors are different and you have to give them moments to kind of um, reconnect with themselves before you can keep asking more and more and more from them. I love that. I feel like it goes back to just staying human. And yeah. and it's a, I think one of the biggest takeaways from all of this is like to just be human um, as a, as, as a company or, you know, whatever, you know, it is that you're leading or whatever team, it's all about communication and just yeah. being able to be human. And I love the yeah. fact that you're including those one-on-one, -on -one, like those mini like check-in calls, because yeah. sometimes you may just be having a horrible day. Maybe you're overwhelmed. And at this time, I think there's so much uncertainty. Maybe some employees won't speak up. Because yeah. I'm like, why would you speak up and say you're overwhelmed? You know, you might risk the chance of maybe losing your job or yeah. But it's totally normal to be overwhelmed because it's totally normal, normal to have anxiety. Anxiety and depression are kind of two sides of the same coin. They're both around fear of the unknown, fear of what happened in the past, which was unknown and you can't change, or fear of what's happening in the future. I think you're so right, Gabby. One one of the things I didn't mention that I think is so important is as a leader you sometimes do have to pick up the phone and call them. I have a guy on my team. He is just an introvert. He's like you said, he will never tell me anything's wrong. And I called, I, you know, put 15 minutes on the calendar and said, Hey, join me. And I was like, I'm just checking in with you. I just want to like, you definitely are doing great. Your performance is awesome, but I can tell in the calls that you're not as you don't lean in and I'm not asking you to, I'm just checking in. And it turned out that he was concerned about his father who had contracted COVID in another state and he, he couldn't get to him. And so that was like, I think those human moments where he could like really say, this is what's going on in my personal life. I was like, okay, well, you know what? I want you to take the rest of the day off. I want you to, you know, get in touch with your family, do whatever you need to do. If you need to take tomorrow off, that's fine. Like, I want you to disconnect and take care of your family. I had a similar situation. I'm from Tennessee and I think it was like week four the tornadoes hit my the town where I grew up and like literally 80, 85% of the people I love in this world live in that town. Wow. And it was so traumatic because I'm typically very strong. I, I never like show emotion at work at home. I'm like a freaking softy, but at work I'm always like, you know, focused and my CEO, he didn't really know, like it's Chattanooga, Tennessee, such a small town. So no one really knew what was happening. And of course, up north, they only show like trailer parks that have been hit. And I'm like, there are other areas where people live. And so um, I got the call at like 6 a.m. I My CEO was in a, he was doing a, a interview, live interview that I was listening in. I did that at eight. He called me to ask me how he did. And then my mom called and I was like, I have to go. And literally he was like, are you okay? I just found out there are tornadoes and I was like, my whole family like seems okay except we couldn't find one of my aunts who's the oldest and has Alzheimer's. So long story short, I remember being on like, we have like a, a executive call at 10 a.m. and I was getting the call from someone who had located her 
And I burst out in tears and I was like, I have to go. And no one knew, obviously, except him, what was going on. But he was so cool. He told everyone, <laughs> I found out later, he was like, don't email her all day. Don't call her all day. She's dealing with a person's situation. And it's almost like you have to be like that as a manager sometimes because people um, sometimes, especially in this moment where we're working from home, they're so insular on what's going on just with them. They can't really understand how to be human with each other. So you have to kind of protect people and give people that when you notice it, that moment to take care of their lives. Because more than ever, it's integrated. It's intertwined. People are at home working. So when there's something going on with their family, it's like compounded, you know? Right, which is, is why I think from a leader perspective, we have to be a little bit more empathetic yeah. and also be able to read people because not everyone's going to be vocal about what yeah. they're going through. And um, so it's 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 truly important to what, everything you just said. So hopefully, Alex, that helps you out. With it definitely <laughs> does. I'm going to make those 30-minute um, Zoom calls with them now instead of doing yeah. one-on-ones. Open door hour that you, you put up, like it can yeah. just be if you're at the office and you just have an open door policy. Right. Kind of I like, was like, when we get back to the office, I'm totally doing it because sometimes people pop on and they're just like, we're just shooting, you know, just talking about stuff and it's like hilarious. So just to wrap it up, what have been some of your outside of all of these gems that you've just gave, given us, what other takeaways have you gotten from all this time? The pandemic has totally given us so much, so many lessons. Yeah, so much perspective, right? I think we right. learned. I think I was saying this literally like a month ago. I was like, if you get out of this pandemic and you don't know anything about yourself, you haven't learned anything about yourself, like you need to, I'm sorry, go quarantine for 30 days. You have to start over, reset. Because um, I just be I believe that this was a moment that we'll never have. It was a gift in some ways. I mean, yes, it was scary. Yes, it's unprecedented. Yes, it's a, like... And unfortunately, and, you know, it's not over. It may happen. We may see a, a burst again of, of this virus. But on the flip side, it was such a great moment to come together and really appreciate the value of friendship, of relationship. And, you know, if you have been able to hold on to your job during this time, just being grateful for that opportunity, for that job to go not necessarily harder, but to be a better employee, a better partner, collaborator in the professional world. Um, what I, I think the biggest piece from this whole pandemic is just perspective. Um, I definitely have learned to appreciate my gut more because there were moments where I would say, oh, should I get on this call? That's going to, you know, that I, I probably don't need to, but should I, because it looks good. And when you have like to help your child get on her second Zoom class call, or do this, you know, call that really just for looks, you start to understand time is important, the importance of time, the value of time. And it's not about, do I do this so I look good? It's more about how can I add value? Am I adding value? If not, I'll let my team handle it. I don't need to get on it, you know? Um, I, I will go back to what we talked about at the beginning of the call. If you're a parent, I think returning back to your roots, like we've paid so much um, connect four and checkers and color together and went on walks. We live like I, in the view, we live right on, on the Hudson. So we, even when things parks were shut down, we would go on an hour walk. And I think just hearing 
what is in my daughter's head and hearing how she thinks and who her best friend is. Like all the things I thought I was doing, we would eat and we, we eat dinner every night, even before this, but we were kind of just scratching the surface. Now I have a really great perspective on this little person I'm creating and what she's thinking. Um, so again, it's just the biggest piece is to come out of this pandemic with more perspective on who you are and who you want to be. The next 10 years from now, where do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Because you're building toward that now. Yeah, this pandemic has really taught me like a lot about family and quality time with the people that you love. Um, yeah. Before the pandemic, I rarely saw my parents rarely saw them and they live only 20 minutes away and now I see Alex. them every day no I see them every yeah. day because I just go to their house and I work out of their house while they watch my baby so yeah. now that I haven't seen my parents in two days and it's a long weekend I'm like man I miss my parents yeah I miss them yeah yeah I mean I think the scary story I told you about the tornado I realized completely like 85% of people I love is in that town. So I've already, like, while the flights were so cheap, I bought everything for the holidays. I bought everything up until February of 2021 because every, you know, the flights were super cheap. And I was like, we're going to go, as soon as we can start flying, we're going to go every month. It's a direct flight. It's an hour and 15 minutes. There's no reason not to go once a month. Right. You, you like know, get caught up with your everyday life and you don't think about those little things like, let me just go once a month. It's an hour and away. And yeah. touch them. The, 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 the experience of touching someone and hugging someone, all of those things that we couldn't do because this, this virus was so unknown how it was being spread. I mean, that's what I mean about perspective. If you didn't walk out understanding the value of touch and how important it is, you're, I'm a, you're gonna self-quarantine. I'm gonna make sure you self-quarantine again because you have, like hugging someone is a luxury now. Yeah, I agree. And it just puts everything, like, the important things in perspective. Like, I don't really feel like material things are that important anymore. Like, yep. we don't use our cars that much at all. Yep. So, I mean, obviously, nice things are always going to be something that we would want. But, like, it's not, like, a priority. Like, I feel like we were so into consumerism before. And now it's more like, I'm in sweats and a tea every day. Like, yes. And you're okay. happy. And I'm happy. We're healthy. Yeah. As long as we're healthy, we're happy. Exactly. So, thank you so much, Joy. Honestly, it was a joy. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> it was so nice. This is the perfect Saturday. <laughs> yeah, we really do appreciate all the input you had. I'm sure our guests are going to love hearing from you. So thank you so much. Let everybody know where they can follow you, where they can reach yeah. you. Um, I'm Joy Altamare, A-L-T-I-M-A-R-E. Uh, that's my handle on Instagram. You can also follow me at ehe.health. It's just ehe.health. A lot of our blogs and stuff that I write are up there too. So those awesome. are the places. I think this is going to be very valuable because a lot of people are going back to work. Mm -hmm. They're trying yeah. to get back in. So a lot of questions were kind of up in the air. So thank you for your, for your input. Thanks yeah. guys. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Have a good weekend. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye everyone. Bye -bye. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Hosted by Alex and Gabby. I love you guys. Oh, yeah.